Hello, my empowered family. I'm so glad you are here. Welcome to the Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast. This is your host, Haley David. This podcast is for you, the ambitious woman building the life and business of your dreams. Tune in every Tuesday for your weekly up level as I bring you a new value packed episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast. This is your host, Haley David. And today I'm so excited for our guest, Katie Pinnell. She is going to be talking about the seven deadly mistakes of copywriting. So thank you so much for being on the show, Katie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So I always love to start the show by asking our guests, what is one interesting thing about yourself that most people don't know? Okay, um, I don't know. Well, before before you started recording, you mentioned Outlander. So I feel like this is an appropriate interesting fact. I have Scottish heritage on both sides. So I'm like super obsessed. And I actually went to Scotland a few years ago and became a totally obsessed with Highland cows. Like I would never have a Highland cow like decor in my house. Cause it's not on brand for like my aesthetic, but it's definitely the background on my iPad and I have a Highland cow sticker on my car. So that's my interesting fact that nobody knows because I understand it's not like on brand for my aesthetic, but I'm totally obsessed with Highland cows. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that and had no idea that you were of Scottish heritage and that you were an Outlander fan even. So obviously I have to ask, what's your favorite character if you can even pick one? I wasn't prepared for this question. If we're talking about the show, I mean, obviously I have to say Jamie because he's a punk totally and I'm okay saying that so I'll go with that love it <laughs> my favorite too for the same exact yeah. reason you yeah know? I kind of assumed the, the accent just makes me weak another interesting fact um because I am so about my Scottish heritage um my parents surprised me with a bagpiper on our wedding day that is so cool so I had no idea it was coming and I sobbed like ugly cried when I heard it and I was like the pipes (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's so funny yeah I love it so many interesting things so tell us a little bit more about your business what do you do why do you do it yeah so I'm a copywriter and that has nothing to do with trademarking or law (laughs) copywriting is all the words that make people want to buy something so that's what I write and I write primarily website copy so when someone comes to your website they completely become outlander obsessed with you and then convert those people who are lurking on your website into people that are buying from you on repeat so that's what I do and I have done for you services and different courses to teach you how to become a better writer and really put your personality into what you write instead of just plug and play templates and can copy, which is the bane of my existence. (laughs) Yeah. I love that so much, especially how you broke down what copywriting is, because I feel like so many people think it's like trademarking, like legal protection type stuff. Speaking of your brand, your brand is all about not canned copy. So would you care to elaborate more about that? Yeah. So a lot of the problems that I see in the space the space, quote unquote, we like to make things easy for ourselves. And that makes a lot of sense because nobody teaches us how to be entrepreneurs. So I get that everyone wants to make it as easy easy as possible. And a lot of times that comes in the form of templates or plug and play or just swipes. 
And the problem I have with that is that you end up sounding like everybody else and blending in. And yet all we want to do is stand out, but you can't stand out unless you know how to stand out. And that's by legit just being yourself, which sounds so like fluffy and of course, duh, be yourself. And it's easier said than done. But a lot of that, a lot of what I teach and what I go back to in my own copy and how I talk with my clients is getting to the root of who you are as a person before we get into your writing and who you're marketing toward and all that businessy stuff. It's really starting with self-awareness so you can actually be yourself. And I, I hate to use the A word, but you know, be authentic, <laughs> actually authentic and not what's acceptable to be authentic online. And then using that to propel your brand forward so people remember you and want to buy you and develop a relationship with you instead of just the canned version, which may sound like I help who do what, and that's what everyone says. And we've come to know that as acceptable, but that's not even, that's not getting to the heart of the message and heart of what you do and who you serve and why and all that stuff. Right. No, I love that, especially because it's so exhausting when you're not being authentic. It just, it is, especially, it is. And especially if you're if you have a personal brand or you're, you use Instagram and Facebook as your marketing platforms, it's incredibly exhausting having to show up in a way that it's not who you are. You're like condensing yourself down, so to say. Yeah, exactly. And when people use cam copy, that's exactly right. You're just condensing who you are and nobody wants that. <laughs> right. No, exactly. So I actually met Katie because I took her course, the Chili Lime Method Mini, And it was such an incredible course that basically talked about what you just mentioned, how to put yourself into your words, which was huge for me because I've taken other copywriting courses that was like, okay, do this and this to write words that sell, but it left out that piece of, oh, but by the way, put yourself into these words. Yeah, that's a major problem online is that we're expected to just know how to write words itself and then let the rest of what people don't care about do the selling our personality. So showing up on Instagram, this is what I ate for lunch today, or this is a movie I'm watching this weekend. Those things are all great. They have their place, but that's not the only place that your personality should show up. Your personality should also be in your sales copy or else it's boring sales copy that no one wants to read. (laughs) I totally agree. So how did you get into the world of copywriting? Yeah, long story short, I actually started school for musical theater. Huge theater nerd. I thought I would sing and dance my whole life and then got into it and decided I wanted to take the more practical route as most creatives are somehow persuaded to do. I decided I wanted to take the more practical route. So I switched my major from musical theater to public relations. And I obviously had to do a lot of writing and I loved it. And I was like, actually, I'm pretty good at this too. And then I started in college. I had a job where I was working as a princess for a princess party company. I was doing children's parties. So I was still scratching my performance itch. And it dawned on me in one of my PR classes, I had to make a business plan for a business of my choice, like a PR plan. And it could be a fictional business or a real business. And I thought, what? If I did this for my princess party company, I would make more money, get more bookings, lead to more money. So I I did this whole PR plan for my princess party job and pitched myself as the one to execute the plan to my boss. And she was like, okay, sure. 
so I did that and I volunteered myself to, to carry out those roles and all of those things made myself the marketing department. And I did that at another, my other job that I worked at in college, I was always had several part-time jobs going on because I just like to be busy or I hate myself. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I was also working as a teacher for a children's performing arts studio, still scratching my performance itch. But I also said, by the way, I'm a PR student. I have this degree. And by the time I was graduated, I had this degree in PR. Let me do the marketing too. So I did that there. And then longer story short, I eventually went to work a full-time job at a marketing agency. And there I was doing all of the copy. The niches were very boring and not so much fun. At some point during all of those different part-time jobs is when I started my business and decided, I don't want to work with boring people. And I don't really want to work with, I don't want to market toward just parents anymore because with princess parties and children's performing arts, I was only marketing toward parents and then stuffy corporate stuff. And I was like, yeah, there's gotta be a fun middle ground somewhere. So that's where I really went all in on that. And I found that my favorite part of all things online marketing and business was the copy. I just went all in on copywriting from there. That's incredible. Did you have savings built up to make that exit from your nine to five into your business or did you just wing it? I kind of winged it, to be honest. I was, I had gone from my agency job and I cut back to part-time. So I worked there part-time and then did my business the rest to make up the rest. And then the, my work environment just got to toxic for me. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I, I was too exhausted doing marketing, even part-time there to come home and do it for myself. And I was having a lot more fun on my own and making more money. So I just decided that that's it. I told my boss that I needed, uh, I needed a raise or I needed more flexibility and I didn't get either of those things. So I said, peace. (laughs) I love that. That's so inspirational. A lot of our listeners either are just getting started in the entrepreneur space or still in their nine to five. So I know listening to you share that story will hopefully light that spark for other people who were in the shoes you were once in. Yeah, I, I did a lot of job hopping because I knew I always, I had my business and doing so many, I was a contractor for so many years between princess parties and stepping in to do the marketing for that. And then doing the private voice lessons and music teaching to then doing the marketing for that. I was always, I always had 1099s. That was my, that was my tax stuff at the end of the year. It's just a stack of 1099s. And I was tired of that, but I knew I could also do that for more people and just be under one business instead of getting all of these different papers come tax time. So having the transition to multiple part-time jobs to a full-time job after I graduated, then weaning myself back to part-time and then just quitting, making my job my full-time really was the best path for me. I did decrease my hours at first and then I went to part-time and then I said, okay, but now I need more work from home flexibility and I didn't get it or I need more money for what I'm doing because I'm doing so well at this and I didn't get it. It was a gradual process to wing it, but I ended up winging it. (laughs) Yeah. And so obviously that whole process led to you making that leap and just going all in with this copywriting business. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Moving on, we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins of copywriting. So the first sin is my personal, I don't even know if this is the worst one, but for me, it's the biggest offender is that is copy paste personalize. 
So a lot of times we see this online and if you haven't done it, then maybe you're lying. Or you're just a super honest person who's very self-aware. Copy, paste, personalize is when you see something that's super good from your competitor who's doing the same thing as you and you think, oh, okay, this is really good. This got really good engagement. So many comments. This is awesome stuff. And then you copy it, you paste it, and then you change it. That is sin number one because you're ending up sounding more like them and doing them the favor as opposed to you and your business. So that kind of goes without saying. And I've actually seen people get caught in this now, of course, like being a word person, I notice these things a lot more than maybe other people do, but I'm also in the South. So I know when people are copying a Southerner because we say <laughs> things that not everybody else says. So words like ain't, y'all, these aren't super typical in other areas, especially if you're coming from another country and you copy paste, personalize. You wouldn't still say y'all, you wouldn't still say ain't. <laughs> so things like that are really noticeable, especially if the dialects don't even match. So just don't do it. That's sin number one. And it's a big one. Love it. And to be really honest, I've probably been guilty of doing sin number one. I've never, ever just copy and pasted verbatim, but I'm like, oh, it's okay if I copy and paste and change 60% of it. Like I'll just put in my info. That was when I first got started. And then obviously after focusing on putting myself in just my business, I'm like, okay, that's not me. Right. Can't and what's so funny is it honestly takes more energy to change what you could have just written the first time. Yeah. There's such a difference between inspiration and copying. Inspiration and imitation are totally different things. And you can be inspired by something all day, but if you're inspired by it, it just means there's like notes of it notes of where it came from. It's not like a full bodied imitation. Totally. I love that. So what is sin number two? So sin number two may surprise some people, but it is following your English teacher's advice. Good copywriting doesn't necessarily mean that it is grammatically correct or that your spelling or punctuation is always correct. Um, we're adults. We can, we do what we want. <laughs> and a lot of times in copywriting, we're, we think it has to sound professional in order for it to sell or convert, but that's not the truth. We actually like it to sound more personable. We want to buy from people. We don't want to buy from robots. So some of my favorite things to think about when it comes to how to stick it to your English teacher are shortening words. Like you can shorten the word favorite to fave or definitely to deaf. Like all of those things are art are fine in copywriting. It's just about selling. The end product is the sale. That's the end goal anyway, is actually selling. So if you have to say stuffy words to get it to sell, maybe your audience responds to that. Cool. Mine doesn't. Sin number two is following the advice of your English teacher like super rigorously. You don't have to do that. Other things are like using acronyms or onomatopoeia, like spelling how things are sounding. I actually, because of my musical theater background, I like to include stage directions in some of my copies, sometimes I'll say, and then she rolled her eyes or whatever like that. Choosing a font that actually looks better in uppercase or lowercase. You can add extra letters for emphasis. Double punctuation. I use that a lot myself where I'll, it's something, if I want something to stick out, I'm going to do an exclamation mark and a question mark. No English teacher would ever let that slip. And using emojis. All of these things actually help our copy to be more personable and we read it a different way. 
as opposed to something that is read like a three paragraph or whatever it is, the five paragraph like essay. essay. Yeah. We don't use that. That's not how you write a sales page. <laughs> it's actually more effective to just get to the point, cut to the chase. Yeah. And I honestly wasn't expecting that because I felt, oh, I have to use the commas and the grammar and the structure. So basically you're saying copy should be more conversational. Yeah. Kind of how you would talk to someone. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. When you're writing copy and you want the end goal to be the sale, because that's what ultimately it should always be. It's so much easier to talk through it. And you can even, you can use your voice memos, do a, like a, a hack, record yourself talking about your offer and voice memos and then transcribe it. And it's going to sound so much more natural than if you were to think about it with your English teacher over your shoulder and think, okay, so introduction, this is what I'm going to be talking about. Here's the body paragraph. And then I have to do a conclusion and sum it all up. That's not how copywriting works. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. And now back to the show. All right. I love that. So what is sin number three? Sin number three is writing for everyone. So typically we think about our ideal audience as an audience. And that, in my opinion, is the wrong way to think about it. You can think about having an ideal group of people, but when you're writing your copy, you need to name that person. Even if it's a fake name, write specifically to that one person in mind, because then it's going to read like a conversation and like you are personally persuading them and drawing them in to keep reading the copy. Um, I've heard it said before. I don't know who said it, but I'm sure everyone's heard it. When you write for everyone, you write for no one. Right. It's too broad. It's, it's not going to stick the same way as if you just say, Hey, Haley, what are you struggling with? Would you be interested in this? And then it feels, Oh, they get me. They understand me. And it just, it's going to convert so much better if you just write for one person. I agree. That's so helpful because I've even been guilty too of finding myself. If I'm writing an Instagram caption or something saying you guys, and I'm like, wait, I should switch it to you. Is that kind of, along the basis of this? Yeah, for sure. And if that's something you're struggling with, um, especially with email copy, I know a lot of times it's so tempting to say, Hey guys, I have a black Friday sale coming out. Hey guys, I have a new offer coming out even with Instagram stories or email or Facebook, anything, unless you're addressing, like I have a Facebook group. And when I'm addressing the group, then obviously they know it's a group. But if I'm writing an email, it's one step further to just put first name. Like you get their name when you ask for their email address, use that to your advantage. And then make sure whenever you're writing that you write with that person in mind. And even if you're writing your website copy, it's fun to put a name in your head and think, what does Haley need to read today? And write your copy with that in mind. I love that. I can't wait to use that little tip. Awesome. So sin four is vagueness. Nobody has time for stale. We want flavor. If you are overly vague, if you are overly fluffy, no one understands what you're saying. (laughs) So we don't want to leave too much up for question. We want to intrigue with our copy just enough that they want to know more. That's the whole point in a good headline. We want them to know more in a good bio. We want them to start the conversation. 
But if it's so vague that no one understands what you're doing, it's going to be too much work for them to start the conversation. When you lead with something like, I help you achieve the business of your dreams. What is that? It's so vague. I have nowhere to start with that. Do I say, how did you know my dream is to raise a bunch of Highland cows? <laughs> Me with that? But if you were to say something more specific, like I make sure people, you get in right in front of the right people and sell to the right people using your personality, then I can say something like, tell me more about using my personality to make sales. And it's so much more specific. When in doubt, like specificity over vagueness will always win. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And so basically intrigue, but not confuse. Yes. And then be specific. Yes. Always. Yeah. So sin four is just being too vague. Okay. Love it. That's so helpful. So what is sin number five? So sin five is on the opposite end of that. Hyperbole. So this is an English teacher word, but that's over-exaggerating. Always, always make sure you are telling an authentic, to use the word, honest story about your product. If your product or service has no reviews, then don't make up testimonials. <laughs> you want to make sure that you're never over-promising and under-delivering. So people can sense the BS. It's people, we're wise to this now, especially because every market, every niche is so saturated. We can tell what's really gonna work for that niche and what's not. And if it's completely off the wall, crazy, like you just started your business six months ago and I promise I can get you to $6 million in 30 days, we know that's clearly not likely to happen. So that's hyperbole. And that would be sin number five is just being completely exaggerating. So there's a really, when I like to think about this one is there's a fine line between just beefing something up and then beefing it up because you need sales. Can you beef it up with truth and testimonials or are you just beefing it up because no one's buying it? That's what you need to be aware of and think about. Even if there are no testimonials, can you have people who maybe at this point is when you're offering it for a lower rate or for beta or something like that to get those testimonials? Or have you offered something comparable that you can ask them, hey, is it okay if I use this testimonial here because you have experience working with me in general? That is something that you can probably get by with, but that's still not the difference between making it up or just like beefing it up because it needs to sell. So instead of making up testimonials, try to find different ways, think outside the box to actually authentically get those testimonials. Yeah. And the biggest thing about testimonials is whenever there isn't one, more times than not, it's just because you didn't ask. So always ask. And if it's a new product and there are no testimonials yet, yet you can use a testimonial from something else, but just say add a disclaimer or something. That's okay. That's being honest. I would be much more happy to see someone say, this testimonial came from working with me one-on-one -on -one if I was offering like a program or something like that, as opposed to making up or not having a testimonial for something new because it's right. still your credibility that you're an expert in that subject. It's just, maybe this is a new offering. Exactly. So just having someone leave a testimonial speaking on their experience of working with you, which would essentially align with any offer you have, you could use it for with again, emphasizing, Hey, she was in my course. This is her experience of working with me. This is why yeah. this group coaching program will be awesome. Look at the results that people have in general. 
with my offers as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, you got to be careful with that fine line between beefing it up so it converts better or beefing it up because no one's buying it. So that's where you have to be careful. And that's where sin five is hyperbole and just over-exaggerating because no one's buying it. Think about just like how you can be more honest and present it in a different way so that it converts better as opposed to just like straight up adding more fluff and details because it's not working. Exactly. And it's not going to feel good if you're exaggerating to get sales. Like it's going to catch up to you eventually if you're relying on those methods. And like you said, people can smell the bullshit. You can go on Instagram and find hundreds of people who are like, started my business three months ago, 100K in three months, DM me how. Yeah. And then they like tell you they're in like Bitcoin or something. (laughs) (laughs) Download this Forex app. Like you only need a thousand to start. Yeah. I'm just like, ugh. Gotta be careful about that. So since six, and I'll say this one, I haven't seen a lot of lately, which is great. I don't know if people are just catching on or Google's catching on, but since six is writing for SEO. So yes, SEO is important, but you never want to flood your sales copy with words just for SEO. So an example of this would be like, you don't want to write for People, humans, millennials, Gen Xers, men, women, children. If you list all of that, it's not going to read right. <laughs> Nobody right. says all that stuff. So that one's kind of a, a silly but given. Some people need to be reminded every once in a while that we don't need to always write for SEO. Um, SEO is great in your headlines, in your naming your photos, and all of those things on the back end. But your sales copy itself should not be flooded with keywords because it just doesn't read well. So essentially avoid keyword stuffing in the sales copy. Yeah. Okay. And in regards to a headline, should they put six keywords or is it like a rule of one or two? So the rule that I've always heard, and this to me falls more in the backend development of like website design and development and all that stuff. I've always heard that your H1 heading should have the keyword in it, but H2 should not. It's going to read the biggest one on the page and there should be one on the page. So if I have copywriting in an H1 heading on the same page, I'm not going to have another heading further down on that same page, H1 that says copywriting because it's only going to read one of them anyway. So still keyword stuffing, not a great idea. That's the advice I've seen and been given to is one headline with one keyword. That's it. Yeah. So then the very last sin is also a surprise. Probably didn't see this one coming, but emotional attachment. If you write something and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And no one responds to it and you get crickets. You gotta let it go. You gotta take your ego out of it. It may have been great to you but you may not have been writing with that one person in mind and it didn't work for them. So we have to be careful not to just think that because you wrote it, oh, because I wrote this, it's good. That's the kind of like confidence that we like to think we have as entrepreneurs. And that's great. That's great to have, but it has, it's has its place. We have to be, we have to know when it's safe that we need to recognize that maybe we've been taken down a peg. Maybe our writing wasn't as good as we thought and move on from it. Detach ourselves from it. It's okay. We can rewrite. We can get better feedback. We can get testimonials. We can add something to it. We can take something away and it will still convert. But if it's not converting 
and you're just so emotionally attached to it and you leave it, you're still not going to make any sales. So instead of just holding on to that, like, oh, this is so good. I have to keep it. Just try to reflect and use it as a learning tool. Like, okay, realistically, it didn't perform. I got one sale, maybe no sales. So obviously there's a disconnect somewhere. Let's go back and evaluate where that happened. Yeah. You have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to just suck it up and say, you know what? That didn't work. Maybe that wasn't my best work. There have been lots of times where I have written an email and I'm like, man, that was such a good email. And then it doesn't do the same way as the other email that I thought, oh, I cranked that out in four minutes. Why did that one do better? But that's just, that's when we have to remove the ego from it and stop getting emotionally attached to our copy because that's when you get into trouble. Exactly. Especially when it comes to sales pages and it, like you said, copy should have the goal of selling. And so I feel like it's extremely important to be aware, to just detach from the outcome because everyone has different goals, but the goal of sales copy is to get sales. So if it's not doing that, it's not working. Exactly. Can we do a little overview of all seven? Yeah. So the first sin was copy paste personalized. Just write it your own. It takes so much less energy to do it from your own voice authentically the first time. Sin two was following your English teacher's advice. So you don't always have to write grammatically correctly or use all the right spellings and things like that. It should read as conversationally as you talk. Sin three was writing for everyone instead of writing for one person. So the hack was to put someone's name at the beginning when you start writing and think about what they need to read. Sin four was being too vague and the cure to that is to be specific. And then five was the opposite way, was to be overly exaggerating and use hyperbole. So sin six was writing for SEO, so no keyword stuffing in your sales copy. And sin seven was getting emotionally attached even when it's not working. Thank you so much. Those were so helpful. And like half of them, honestly, most of them I wasn't even expecting. So (laughs) I know this is going to help reduce the amount of canned copy that is out there in the online space. Yes. I'm on a mission to get rid of canned copy and for all the fluffiness to just flop off. I love it so much. And I will include your website in the show notes so people can see your brand is exactly what you're talking about with canned copy. So where can we find you? So my website is katiepinnell.co. My Instagram is katiepinnellco. Same on Facebook. My um, Facebook group is called Fluff Off, Copywriting Brand Strategy That Doesn't Suck. And that is exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, Katie. This was so helpful. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help support the show by making sure you're subscribed, hit the five stars, and leave a review. Thank you, my empowered fam, for supporting the show. And tune in next week for another episode.